Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Uh, turn to Psalm chapter 46 because today we continue in our uh, peace series where we're uh, looking at how we can know, experience, find and live out uh, God's uh, peace in our lives. And uh, this has been a great series, hasn't it? Uh, It's been really, really timely and many people have shared with me uh, how impacted they've been and how helpful it's actually been uh, for them. And so that's been really, really wonderful. And uh, one of the things we've been trying to do throughout this series is not just to provide simplistic or trite answers uh, to things, but to actually look really solidly at the Scriptures and the Word of God to know uh, and to find the, the real richness and the power of the Scriptures for our lives. And so today, it's going to be no different. We're going to be stopping in Psalm chapter 46 today. And uh, looking at that passage, uh, Walter Brueggemann uh, is one of the the world's uh, leading Old Testament scholars, and he is a uh, is an expert as such in the in the Psalms, and has written many many books. And in one of his books called The Spirituality of the Psalms, he talks about three places that humanity uh, often finds themselves. And I think these three places you'll resonate um, with them. Uh, he talks about these three places, and then he has a way of aligning them to each of the Psalms uh, as well. But the first place is a place of orientation and this is a place where everything uh, is right in the world. There's a sense uh, that everything makes sense in our lives. Uh, People are content. The the normal uh, daily rhythms of life are life uh, giving. Uh, And uh, the world feels comfortable. The world feels reliable. The world feels predictable. Uh, In terms of our current day, uh, we may actually, in some of us, uh, maybe for most of us, we probably think that that was, you know, uh, uh, prior to uh, COVID-19. Then there's a place of disorientation. Uh, This is where life as we know it has been disrupted, uh, when our world collapses around us and we feel like there's no way out. Perhaps, uh, you know, we've experienced the loss of a loved one. Perhaps there's been a shift in our financial position or maybe our working condition or there's just been some relational breakdown that's so significant in our families uh, that it just feels like everything now is different and everything has been disrupted and changed. Uh, In this place, it's a place of difficulty. It's a place of unpredictability. Things are uncertain. Things can be painful and scary. And certainly when you look at the future, it can feel uncertain. The third place is a place of reorientation or new orientation. This is a place in which we realise that God has lifted us out of our places of disorientation and we now find ourselves in in a new place, a more welcomed place, a place where we are more aware and uh, we're grateful to God for leading us out of uh, that old, that place of disorientation and there is gratitude and we've accepted the new reality. Now, of course, the challenge out of these three uh, for us, you know, significantly is the place of disorientation. This is what uh, we could call the messy middle 
Who likes the messy middle? Or Richard Raw calls this place the, the liminal space. And I think for many of us, and certainly for our world, I think this is the place that we find ourselves at the moment. We find ourselves in this place of disorientation, and it's probably a good word as we begin to think about, to name, sometimes it's just good to name uh, a place and how it is that we are feeling, and certainly this has been a helpful one for me, just to recognise the last couple of years, and certainly where we find ourselves today. Today, this idea of disorientation. Life has been disrupted. The old world is no longer here. It's been left behind, but we're a little unsure about what the new world will look like. And I know for some of us right now that things are feeling particularly disruptive, uh, disorientating and difficult. And Mike kind of shared with us earlier today and prayed for uh, some of our teachers, prayed for our parents. But there's certainly some, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but there are certainly some in our community at the moment who are isolating who aren't here today uh, because they are isolating, uh, because they've either been a close contact or they've, because they've had COVID. And so our prayers are with uh, them and recognising the challenges that that uh, that brings into into their life. Uh, we and you know just to say too around this that this is you know potentially going to be part of the course that we may uh, uh, get COVID. We may all have to at some point in time have to isolate. And of course, there's no shame in any of that. We're just going to love, care, and look after one another as practically as we can, as prayerfully um, as we can. Uh, but for others of us, it's a difficult time, not because we're isolating or we have COVID, but because. Uh, we're fearful of unknowingly passing COVID on to people, whether it's a vulnerable family members or friends. You know, that's uh, certainly a concern that I've heard from many of us just in the last week. And as Mike said earlier, if you're a parent, then uh, right now you're finding this even more disorientating. You try to work out uh, how am I going to handle this phased approach back to school? You know, if you've got a kid in one year, in, in, year, in reception and one in year three, then you've got to work out how you're actually going to manage that because they're not all going back to school in the same week. So that just adds complexity uh, to you. Uh, for some, you're going to have to work from home and that adds significant complexity as well. And so we're making decisions now around the safety of our kids and around our families that we didn't have to make a few years back. And if you're a teacher, you probably are pulling your hair out at this point in time and trying to work out what does all this mean, uh, all this online learning and classes, how's all that going to happen? If you're a nurse, we've just had you know Emily on here before with Levi, but if you're a nurse or in health-related fields, then your life has been profoundly disrupted uh, recently. Uh, staff shortages, scarce resources and more has created a very challenging and stressful environment uh, at work. And if none of these, if you, or another one as well, as I think about it, if you're in small business, and I know a number of our Korean community are, you know, you People in, who are in small business are being impacted by you know, capacity limits at the moment, but also if I, I don't want to, um, I need staff shortages are being impacted. They also don't want to be out in too many places in case they're taken out. So there's just all sorts of ways that it's impacting us. And at the moment, too, if none of those are you, then you've probably walked into a supermarket at some point in time and you've gone to get your favourite cut of meat or something and you haven't been able to because you've bumped up against this, uh, the shortages and the supply chain issues and shortages that we're having at the moment because shelves are empty. And so I just share all that to say partially there's a lot of things that are, that are happening in people's lives. We're wanting to pray for you. I encourage our whole community to be getting alongside, supporting, loving, caring, looking after one another. But I say to say in some way as well, we're all experiencing a move away from a comfortable, smooth and predictable world into one that is more unstable and more unpredictable. 
And if we're honest, we would probably all just prefer to actually move back and go back to life as it was prior to COVID, life that was normal, simple and predictable. But here's the thing. History actually shows us that times of disruption, times of uncertainty, times of instability are actually commonplace and normal. Uh, actually commonplace and normal. Wars, geopolitical tensions, plagues, pandemics, economic upheaval, these things have impacted our world and littered our world for centuries now. In a recent podcast, uh, Christian author and cultural thought leader Mark Sayers said that he believes that rather than us uh, emerging into uh, emerging into a normal uh, or you know, pre-normal life or even some of the language around a new normal, he actually believes that we are uh, actually returning or emerging to reality. Emerging or returning to reality. And he says this, he says, we've bought a myth that we could have a world that is really stable, a world where we would move around smoothly and live our best lives without destructions. And in this uh, disruption and in this uh, podcast, he says that he was able, he's from Melbourne, he says, I was able to get a latte down in Melbourne and then I'd travel to New York and there would be a Melbourne barista setting up a coffee shop in, in New York and it was just that seamless that he could get coffee from Melbourne in New York just like that and hop on a plane and it was just so simple. The world moved smoothly. I know we don't want to hear this, but I think he's actually right. Um, see, prior to COVID, we experienced a relatively comfortable and predictable 15 years or so in Australia and in the West. You know, there was some instability, but generally not the type that impacted us significantly on a world or day-to-day -day, uh, basis. And so the pre-COVID normal that we want to return to isn't really normal at all, but it's actually abnormal. So how do we live faithfully? How do we experience God's peace in a world where disruption and instability and uncertainty is actually reality, is actually part and parcel of life on earth, is actually common and is actually normal? Well, the good news is today that we're in Psalm chapter 46. And in Psalm 46, we can find some helpful ways for us of how to live faithfully and to navigate life like that and to find peace in amongst those times. Um, this is a great psalm for times of disorientation, for times of anxiety and fear. And why is that? It's because it was written in a time of disorientation, fear and anxiety. At the time that this psalm was written, we don't know the precise circumstances around it, but Jerusalem was certainly seeming to be overwhelmed uh, and under attack from her enemies. There was a big shake-up that was happening around uh, the world at the time, and the superpowers of the day were starting to tumble. And so it was a time of disorientation. So let's jump in. Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3. And this is what it begins with. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their 
surging. So the psalmist here in verse 1 opens with this confident declaration that sets the tone for the rest of the psalm. And he says this, he says that God is our place of refuge. God is our source of strength and God is our help whenever we need it. Isn't that good news for us just to know right up top today? And then he goes on and he says this, that if you know this God, if you've got this God as your God, then you can face any disruptive and disorientating or destructive time without fear. Take a look at what he says in verse 2. The psalmist here isn't describing some small little inconvenience or small little setback. All right? He's not even describing some big, huge, life-altering event in his personal world. He's actually describing something a whole lot more horrific. He's actually describing and speaking of a cataclysmic event. And we read here, don't we, that things that seem permanent, things that seem secure, things like the, the earth, uh, things like mountains, things like oceans, these things that seem permanent, are not we see that they're giving way. We see that they're folding in onto themselves. What's happening here? What are we seeing happening? Well, the psalmist here wants us to be envisioning creation being undone. He is picturing a world that is being uncreated, one that is dissolving back into chaos and darkness that we read about in Genesis chapter 1-2. And you can have a look at that in Genesis 1-2. It's not on the screen, but it says this, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. So what is this telling us? What is this? Well, it's actually telling us something wonderful. It's actually telling us this, that even if the whole world were to be driven back into a state of nothingness, darkness and chaos, even then, if you know this God, you do not need to fear. That's what we're being told. Even if the world were to dissolve, even if the world were to give way and the bottom was just to fall completely out from underneath us all, God is still our refuge. God is still our source of strength. And God is still there for us to help us whenever we need it. And so there is no reason to fear. This is what, this is what we are being told. And why does this matter? Well, this matters because this is to instill comfort and confidence into us that in the small setbacks of our life, in the inconveniences of our life, in those big moments of our life, those ones that hurt really deeply, in those moments too, God will still be with us as our refuge and strength. If he will be with us as our refuge and strength when this whole world goes back to uncreation, if that was to happen, he will be with us in those moments too. And here's the thing. This should be cause for, for you and I to stop, to pause and to give a shout of praise, isn't it? This is like, this is good news for you and I. I don't think there's anything else that's better news than this, that God will be with us in those moments. And this is exactly what the psalmist goes on and he says. He says at the end of this, we read this little word called Selah and we read it at the end of verse 3, verse 7 and verse 11. Now if you've got your Bibles with you, you may not actually see it written there. Uh, but if you have a look for one of those little letters uh, or 
you have a look in your footnotes, you'll see it. And it's a word that will probably say it's a word of uncertain meaning. And it's true, we don't know exactly what this word means. However, there is good thought to suggest that this is a word that means to stop, to pause. What you have just read is worthy of careful thought. Whenever you see that word, stop, pause, because what you have just read is worthy of careful thought. What are we meant to do? We're meant to sit in this and to marinate on this. We are meant to let this truth sink into our spirit, into our soul, and it is meant to remind us of who our God is. Is. So later on today, maybe you can go home, you can unpack this psalm, you can read verses uh, 1 to 3, and you can just sit and stop and pause because what you have just read is worthy of careful thought. The psalmist goes on, and in verse uh, 4 we read this, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Uh, Tim Keller makes the point here. Uh, that the psalmist is contrasting earthly cities, cities that are in uproar, cities that are unsettled, cities that, and uh, some other translations might say, are raging. Uh, and these cities are godless, unstable cities, and so are able to be besieged or destroyed. And he's contrasting that with the heavenly city, the city of God, one that cannot be destroyed. How do we know that this is what is going on? Well, we read that there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now, we know that the psalmist here can't be talking about the earthly city of Jerusalem because Jerusalem doesn't have a river. It's got an awesome and wonderful aqueduct system underneath and that kind of supplies its water from streams um, outside. Um, so there's no actual river that runs through. And this is important because at the time that this psalm was written, cities that were most vulnerable to being besieged or sacked or taken over were cities without a river. A city, you see, with a good supply of water, with good fish and uh, water supply that could ensure there was lots of fruit and vegetables and grapes and all sorts of things, that made it much harder for a city to be sacked back in the day. And so in this sense, Jerusalem was vulnerable. It was a vulnerable city. But the psalmist declares this. He says, in the midst of all of that, that there is a river, and it's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. What's he talking about? He's saying that this river is a river of the Spirit of God within the city. It's the power of God. It's the presence of God in her. We see that in verse 5. So why does this matter? Why, what difference does this contrast make in your life and in my life when we find ourselves up against really difficult and disorientating times? Well, Keller goes on and says that each of us, each Christian, is a citizen of two cities. An earthly city, and for most of us here, I'm suggesting that probably we're citizens of Adelaide, that is our city, but every Christian's real citizenship is actually in the heavenly city. And Paul speaks about this in uh, Philippians 3.20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we read this in Luke as well. Luke, Luke um, also talks about our names being written uh, in heaven. 
So what is this psalm is telling us is this. It's telling us that the benefits of our earthly citizenship can be taken away from us. And what are some of those benefits? Well, benefits of Adelaide or being a citizen of Australia means that we can, we have, we can vote, we can vote our leaders in, we have certain um, rights, we have certain privileges, rights to financial support, education, health. But then there's all sorts of things that can take these benefits and rights away. Uh, we're living that even now. History shows us that even some of the most stable cities and governments can be thrown quickly into a spiral, a downward spiral. And we know this to be true right now. A pandemic has meant that you and I just can't have as many people around our house as we want to. Or a pandemic has meant that, and for good reasons around health, etc., but it means that we cannot, uh, you know, if you have COVID or you're close clinic, you can't just go out and do what you wanted to do previously. You see, there's all sorts of things that can strip away the benefits of earthly citizenship. You know, you think of some cities around the world that are no longer uh, around anymore. But here's the message that uh, Asamus is saying to us. While there are all sorts of things that can strip away our earthly citizenship, nothing can take away the benefits of our heavenly citizenship. That is what the psalmist is wanting us to see. And what are some of those benefits of our heavenly citizenship? Well, here's just a few of them. Uh, Our joy and gladness. Uh, John 16 says, When I see you again, you'll be full of joy, and it will be a joy that no one can rob from you. Our joy and our gladness as those who are citizens of heaven cannot be taken away from us. The peace of God in John 14:27, we read, Peace I leave you, Jesus says, My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Our position as children of God doesn't change. Galatians says, For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith and eternal life. In John 8:28, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, these are the sum of the benefits of being a citizen of heaven, which is our real citizenship. We could go on, and you might want to do this today. You might want to just go and search in the Bible what are more benefits of being a citizen of heaven. But these things, the psalmist wants to know, cannot be taken away. You see, as a Christian, what's the worst thing that can happen to us? Well, the worst thing that can happen to us is that we die. But the good news is that as a Christian, God even has a plan for that. It's called resurrection. And so death, all that does is ultimately puts us into the loving hands and arms of our Father. Again, I love what Tim Keller says on this. He says, if God is with you, even the worst thing that can happen to you, death, only makes you infinitely happier. Church, we need to understand this, that that while the things can be taken away and stripped away from us on earth, our earthly citizenship, the psalmist is saying, it remains and it stays because our God is our refuge, our God is our source of strength and our God is our ever-present help in times of trouble. I hope we're getting this because it seems reasonably quiet in here about some things that are really good news for us. Maybe I just can't hear it all behind the masks. But I want you to understand this stuff, right? This is really important stuff for us to hold on to in times of disruption, in times of disorientation. And again, after all of this, what little word do you see from the psalmist? Selah. Stop. Pause. What you have just read is worthy of careful thought.
The psalmist then closes with one final section, verses 8 to 11. He says this, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, when I grew up, I grew up in, uh, in um, country Victoria in a town called Mujura. And in the little church that I was a part of, we grew up in at the front of the, uh, at the, front of the chapel, kind of just like this, in front of just at this area uh, of the church, uh, was uh, written Psalm 4610. Uh, Be still and know that I am God. Maybe you grew up in a similar place where that was written. Um, I was told at that point in time that, that what that meant was that when you come into a worship service, when you come into church, you need to come in silently, you need to come in quietly and you need to come in not making any noise so that you can wait to hear from God. Now, I want you to hear me on this so that I don't have any people coming up to me afterwards and saying that they misheard me. But coming to God in silence and stillness so that you can discern his voice is a good thing. All right, So hear that, it's a good thing. But here's the problem with it. This verse isn't actually encouraging us to have a contemplative time of silence or stillness before a worship service. That's not what it's saying. There are other passages of Scripture that will talk about that and the importance of silence and solitude. But what verse 10 here is actually saying to us should be read more like a mandate from God or an invitation from God to stop. To stop, to cease striving, to cease fighting, or as one uh, biblical dictionary translates it, which I love, to stand empty. I love that. In the midst of disruption and times of disorientation, the voice of God speaks and invites, even commands us to stand empty. In other words, stop trying to solve all the problems. Stop trying to figure everything out. Stop trying to fix everything. Stop trying to control everything and everyone. Stop your frantic activity. Stop trying to play God. Instead, stand empty and say, I've got nothing. I stand here empty, nothing to bring, nothing to offer. See, this is the invitation of God to us today. And why? Because he knows that many of our worries come from a deep-seated belief and self-centeredness that we are in control of our lives and that we are supposed to fix everything and that we're the ones who are meant to still the chaos and the raging seas. But here's the truth, we are not. We are not God. You know, there are many things that we just simply cannot control. And there will be times that we don't know what's going on, we don't know what's going to happen, and that is actually okay. We are not meant to know how all things will play out. Instead, what God invites us to do is to stop what we are doing, to stop our frantic activity, and because it, it's only when we do that, it's only then when we stop 
our activity, that we can begin and start to see God's activity in our lives, God's activity in our family, God's activity in our church and start to see him acting for us. And it's only then do we know that he is God and we are not. And that is not just something to know at 9.30 on a Sunday morning. That is something that you need to know at 9.30 on Tuesday morning or 3.30 in the afternoon at work when it's been crazy for you or 11.30 at night when you are scrolling Instagram or going down a maze on YouTube. We need to know those are the times that we need to stop and we need to know that God is God. And so let me ask you today, what activity do you need to stop so that you can start experiencing God acting in your life? What things in your life do you now need to stop so that you can start experiencing God acting in your life? Do you need to stop scrolling Instagram because you know it is only increasing your fear and anxiety at this time? Do you need to stop scrolling YouTube because you know the exact same thing is true? Do you need to maybe stop certain conversations at your home because you know that they are unhealthy and only leading to to more anxiety and problems? You know, to be honest, Ellie and I, we've had to do that recently. There's been certain things and certain conversations that we have had to stop and go, you know what, that's not helpful, that's not healthy, we're not going to go down those lines. We're going to stop that here because there's nothing that we can actually do to solve this. We're going to trust it with God and we're going to place it into his hands and we're going to know that he is God and we are not. What is it that you need to stop doing so that you can start praying with your partner? You can start engaging and involving your kids in what God is doing at this moment in your family or in our world. What do you need to stop so that you can know that God is God and that he is the one that is exalted among the heavens, that he is the one exalted among the earth? I love what Eugene Peterson writes in the Message Translation. Have a look at this. Step out of the traffic... Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. Above politics, above everything. Do you need to just stop today and get a glimpse of heaven? Get a glimpse and be reminded afresh of the God who sits above it all. Not disconnected, not just waiting for the whole world to be uncreated. No, a God who sits above it all because he has a purpose and a plan and he is in the process of renewing and restoring all things again in the person and the life of Jesus Christ. We need to get that perspective. That's what this psalm is telling us. That's what this psalm, the psalmist wants you and I to know. So church, as I wrap up, I want us to know this. God is with us. This is not just words. This is a truth. This is something that should give us joy, should give us hope and cause peace in those times of disorientation. And so Psalm 46 shows us that we can have peace in the midst of a difficult and disorientating time, firstly by knowing that even if this earth collapses into nothingness and chaos, God is with us. We do not need to fear. Secondly, by knowing that while things can sweep 
um, can be easily swept away and destroy the benefits of our earthly citizenship. Nothing can take away the benefits of our heavenly citizenship. And thirdly today, by knowing that even in the midst of disorientating times, and in fact precisely in the midst of disorientating times, God invites us to stop, to stand empty, because it's only when our activity stops that we can begin to see his activity actions in our lives. Would you stand with me today as we pray? And so, Spirit of God, we just welcome you into this place. We become aware of you afresh. We stop, we pause, because what your word And the psalmist has said to us today is worthy of careful thought. And so right now, we want to come and we want to just respond to you. We want to respond just by taking a moment to remind ourselves, awaken ourselves to the news that we have heard today. That you are our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. So Lord, I want to pray for each person that whatever moment they find themselves in today, that they would be reminded of what we have heard and that even right now you would just be putting those, those truths deep into their hearts and into our souls. May we marinate on it. May the truths of this psalm bring light and life to us, I pray. So Lord, speak your peace. Speak your hope. Because we choose again to put our trust in you. We choose to step out of the traffic and to fix our eyes unto the one who holds all things together. Fix our eyes unto the one who is our ever-present help in times of trouble. And so, Lord, although we may feel overwhelmed, although it may feel like at times we, we're going to break or the bottom is falling out of our world or our family, Lord, I pray that we would get a perspective of heaven, that our eyes would be attuned to Jesus. And so we come now and we want to just give ourselves to you in worship and in praise. Thank you, Lord. We are going to close today uh, by singing a song and it's a wonderful song that just speaks about uh, who God is. And this is, a, this is a chance for us to declare Uh, who he is. And let me say that as we do this as the people of God, as we sing truths about who God is, what happens is he gets the glory, he gets the praise, he's the one who's worthy of our worship. But he is so kind and generous and and so beautiful that he has a way of turning that back onto us and we feel feel more secure, we feel more strengthened, we feel more encouraged, we feel the light and the life that we are meant to receive from God because we are not meant to walk through this earth on our own. We are meant to walk through it with him as our refuge and strength. So let's let's declare this truth today and let it speak to our souls and let it give us hope and life for today. Amen.
Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.